Hey guys, you're listening to episode 12 of Inside Kevin C. On this episode, we have my good friend Dom. He is a guy I met through the Smash community. He has actually been kind of the head guy in the Smash community, in the Idaho Smash community, uh, for as long as I can remember, that's for sure. Definitely probably the single individual who's done most for the scene. And uh, it was really cool talking to him today because he and I have never really had a proper one-on-one conversation. And uh, it was really cool to, you know, see what he's been thinking about. And honestly, this was probably one of the uh, deepest and most meaningful conversations uh, I've had on this podcast. So um, thanks so much to him for hitting me up and uh, getting together. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. I'm sure you will. And uh, enjoy. Uh, is bring like a card game or something like that? Oh, should I introduce myself? What's your middle name? O'Neal. O'Neal, okay. Yeah, Dominic O'Neal, you know. I've known that at some point. Dude. Um, yeah, like I was saying, I bring a card game so we have something to like kind of take our take our mind away and not always be forced into conversation. Because so I think that's like one of my chief anxieties with even though I love talking to people one-on-one, one of my anxieties always rolling into a one-on-one talking scenario is like, what are we going to talk about, you know? And I think from like a lot of um, like studying and therapy and just like doing a lot of like more of the understanding of my values and how I want to connect with people, I, I've been, I, I feel like I've been viewing people more in the way that like how can I how can I get them the best view of me, rather than how can I be 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 my be myself and relate to this person. And do you feel like having your conversations with people centered around an activity take away from that? What do you mean? Well, you've noticed about yourself that you're uncomfortable or less comfortable, let's say when there's not a thing you're doing? Yeah, I guess it's uh, it's something to always like fall back on. Like, right. subject matter to bring up randomly. So it's something that squashes that anxiety. Yeah. Do you think the presence of the game, though... Or I, I guess you just want to kind of be rid, rid yourself of that. Yeah, and I guess it's like the nonverbal side of it as well. So it, it it allows. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it allows you to like disconnect the um, the nonverbal communication and just go verbal for a while. Like, I was actually looking for the um, card game, and not in the sense to play it because I actually kind of wanted to bring this up because it's something I've been. I just wanted to look at all the holes. It's <laughs> it's something I've been uh, just thinking about recently. So. Bring it the card game. Well, just the idea that I use... Well, this is one card game that I really love. It's called Set. And how I use that and various other things to, like, allow for interaction to happen rather than just, like, one-on-one connection to person-to-person, you know? I'll move tables. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I can find a spot. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh... sense to me it's interesting I've never considered before that communicating 
actually can become very different when we're both doing something with your bodies because yeah. they, they throw out that weird statistic about what percentage of communication is verbal, nonverbal, right. or like tone versus word choice. And what you should focus on to that like when you're like when you're conversating with someone. But I don't think the idea has been put out there so much that you can take the nonverbal away and still have connection. Right. Awesome. Granted, there is like some amount of nonverbal, I guess. I mean, people are going to react. Yeah. But when both of your bodies are sort of occupied with peripheral nonverbal else, is a lot different. Is like you, yeah. <laughs> you can almost you leave it up to imagination what they're doing in your peripherals because it's all blurred out. Well, you stuff. can sometimes you can feel like, and this is usually a result of what's going on in the game. Yeah. But you can feel the like burning anger. Oh yeah. Yeah. It well, there's I I I truly believe. I mean, talk about it in like a electromagnetic force sense or like a metaphysical energy type of sense. You yeah. can feel people's oh, like, yeah. negative energy around you, you know? <laughs> um, and I mean, as we've seen in, in the mind games of Smash, like that's just a huge thing. Like people, people know it more because it's based on, it's like something will happen and then reaction, right? It's not like it's like, it's like they're offset from it. It's like, I'm going to wait 10 seconds and then I'm going to react and so I can, yeah. I can throw them off, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's a thing that's used, I mean, it's used in Smash, but it's used in everyday interactions yeah. all the time. I mean, I think it's like, a big thing for me is like the eyes, right? So like, uh, one thing I've, I've run into is like, when people, when I see people who have really speculative eyes, it kind of leads me to believe that they're like, trying to pick apart what I'm saying, right? And it's Do like I a mindset thing. Eyes right now? <laughs> well, I, I said it I said it in the sense of like I'm trying to come away from that idea because like well first of all you can't judge one nonverbal like another, you know, like I like I have I could just have resting bitch face with like, you know, and uh -huh. so but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm judging you or I'm disconnected or something like that. Right. It's just like that could just be how you look when you do that, you know? But I kind of judge everyone the same. Um, yeah, you judge people how you would feel unfairly judged yeah. by others. Yeah. yeah. Uh, although, something I've been, like, looking into a lot is just, um, have, like, the difference between having an inward mindset and an outward mindset. Yeah. Right? So, like, in relation to our needs, an inward mindset is something where you're you're, you're looking at people as something to fulfill your yeah, well it's like I think it's like mostly related to like objectification right so like you're looking at someone as an object for your need like to either get you your need or they're in the way of your need or they're irrelevant to your need so you kind of treat them as such right that has a big impact on how you're going to interact with them yeah right um, and then in difference having an outward mindset into understanding that like the person is a human, they have their own experiences that that um, allow you to connect with them because they're indifferent. No, sorry, they're specific. They're specific to them and indifferent to your experiences, right? So it's like um, understanding that you can grow with people, but also knowing that like a appealing to their needs makes them want to appeal to your needs, right? And people can. I think people can feel that. Yeah. through like whatever idea like energy or something like that like when somebody's on their side like you can have a one-on-one -on -one conversation and talking to someone and they'll be like 
they're always just like, they're like, oh, well, you did this and that, you did this and that, you did this and that, you know? And it's like, I'm not saying that like you shouldn't have critical people in your life. Actually, that was, that was, I'm a kickboxing instructor. Uh, and that was, uh, we, we do always, we always do like, like kind of messages as it pertains to like the mindset around health and fitness and stuff, right? And one of them is like having uh, like an accountability buddy, accountability buddy, right. we call it, yeah. And it, we talked about like the um, having having a no bullshit person in your life, like a person who knows your like I don't like to say it like this, but your weaker qualities, your times of weakness, right? Like making they know that you make that same excuse to not go to the gym all the time when you could very well just go, right? Um, and then they know when uh, you're you're like acting egocentric or being petty or something like that, right? And how important that person is in your life, but it's also to realize, it's also important to understand that is this person looking at things as they pertain to my values or as they are they looking at them as, they, as their expectations from their values? Yeah, it's, uh, when you add the actual fact or when you think about the element of that person also actually being a person and not just a person who's giving you like robotic feedback on the stuff you try to lie to yourself about yeah um you realize oh man i need to even analyze this person to make sure what i'm getting or what they're giving me is actually helping me right because i kind of have this toxic trait i know that when people close to me uh are perceived by me to be more successful than me it makes me feel really bad and I'm unlikely to encourage them to keep going or do better. And this is borne out, especially in Smash, I think. Oh, like, yeah. If I feel like yeah. someone's outperformed me, it just makes me feel bad, which is not good. Yeah. But returning to your critical friend bit, I think uh, I've been reading a lot of books on success, I guess you could say. Right. And, like all these classics that rich people talk about basically and a common theme is having a mastermind so it's basically your accountability buddy but it's you know theoretically more people all people who are highly motivated to achieve their own goals and you meet once or twice a week analyze a decision you have to make oh so this is like an active yeah and so they're judging yeah, it could be for weaknesses, but also for, let's say you don't have a weakness in a particular area, but it's like, you've got a big decision to make, career-wise, relationship-wise, whatever, you know, they can say, well, have you thought about this? Have, have you thought about this? So taking on mentors. Basically, but it's it's peers. It's like, people who are in your position, mentors are also very important, I think. But, hmm. uh, strictly, I think it's, it's peers who are... That's not necessarily interesting. identical to you in career or whatever, or even goals. Right. But people who are smart, motivated, and interested in the process, are able to say, "Okay, here are your goals. Here's what you're doing." Well, obviously, this last week it looks like you really didn't do right. what we all decided was necessary to reach your goal. So work on that you said we all does that mean like it's a collaborative or yeah ideally I mean, oh wow so it's like a community type of thing well I think of three or three to five people who are all speaking amongst each other like, yeah we're all meeting 
consistently. And is this is this only to the benefit of the single of each person? So you're all looking at everyone else. And... So I wonder how that works because you have to find something that each person wants from the other. And is it not it's not from the other, but it's just criti it's criticism. Oh. Well, I, sorry, I, I guess that came out in that uh, in, inward mindset way. <laughs> um, I meant more of like something that I guess you would revere in that person that is a quality that you believe they can teach you on. Oh. That they can educate you So, on. yeah, I think that's very key. I think this is just separate. I think it's... Oh, okay. So just like qualities of smart, you're, motivated. You're motivated, you're reasonably intelligent, and we're doing this collaborative thing to improve ourselves. Yeah. And on top of that, you should have people who are much better than you at whatever it is you're trying to improve. And probably, I mean, once you're at least pretty good at something, you should have people you're teaching as well. Oh yeah, the, the mindset of teaching someone to learn something yeah. yourself. Yeah. It's all kind of a big, a big circle. Yeah. That's funny. I've always I've always been interested in that. It's just like, is that just mean that you haven't looked at it in a way, in that in a way that like allows you to teach others, so you haven't had that revelation on it. You know what I mean? You haven't looked at it. Oh, I see. Yeah, oh. you haven't looked at it at a at a way that you could, like, I guess, right. verbalize it to another person. So it hasn't like conceptualized it in that way. You know you can, how you can have just a natural feel for understanding something, right? And you have, like, you have the subject matter, but it kind of just falls all within itself. I don't, I don't actually know how to explain well, that. Well, I think your brain starts skipping steps once you've done something for so long, yeah. and then you stop analyzing smaller parts. And so if a person right. asks you a question about a certain process, you're like, wait, I don't know why I do it this way, you know? Honestly, though, man, that, like, that, like near sums up my Smash career, dude. It's <laughs> like... I'll just put it out there, man. I've done I've done very very little studying into like the strong like the really deeper meta analysis type of stuff into it. You know, like um, as far as learning or as smash as far as smash. Um, like learning how to learn or learning smash. I don't know how to th I don't know the difference. Well, I guess yeah. Wait, hold on. Let me think about that. <laughs> um. So learning how to learn in the sense of like how to have a a mentality of getting better. Yeah. Um, Growth mindset. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's definitely been a a hard thing for me to have with, with this game. I guess there's been a lot of like. So part of part of like, I, so the word I want to use for what I was talking about before, when I have anxiety, in one-on-one -on -one scenarios or just in like any kind of social scenario is posture. Like I posture, and this, do you know? Do, do you mean, mean your posture or your posturing? I'm posturing. Yeah. No. Um, I I I've kind of through therapy I've kind of like got it to this idea of a pedestal. Either people are putting me on a pedestal or I'm putting myself on a pedestal based on my perceived expectations of what of what the other people want out of me. Right. So uh, okay. trying to like rise to that whatever that is in my mind because I have a vivid imagination for it. I guess. Um, I don't think that's that abnormal. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I've had to draw back from that. And what it really comes from is an insecurity of, like, thinking that my, my natural self doesn't have as much to offer as this faux version of myself that I'm giving 
And the thing is, what's, what's funny about it is, like, I call it faux, but that's not really true because it's something you do for so long that it just becomes a part of you, you know? Oh. Like. So, so what's an example of you posturing? Is it a certain attitude you're taking? Um, yeah, so, I mean, within the Smash community, I guess, I feel like I have to be... Well, okay, it's kind of a, it's a melding of Smash community and a community of men, right? As, <laughs> as, as stretched <laughs> yeah. of word as we want to make that right now. <laughs> uh, oh, I thought you were going to comment on, yeah, the fact that people are always talking about trying to get women involved and it's just... Yeah, yeah. yeah. For whatever reason, it doesn't happen. Right. Um, and I feel like... <laughs> community of boys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there's a strong, like testosterone competitive feeling that I get just being in those environments and I feel like I condition myself to be a certain way within those environments in order to like take them on because again I, I feel like people expect it of me to an extent like this is the dom we know from this and like a lot of that in my life is like yeah. if I am any other way than people know me I have to put energy into explaining that because they're like oh are you okay that type of stuff so no one likes hearing that yeah it's weird being a, being a multifaceted person and some and some of those facets are charismatic right because I think charisma shows itself as something that's like such an innate quality that why, why wouldn't it be in every part of their life you know so if they're not being charismatic then there has to be something it's like it's such a it's almost like an endearing quality like if you have it why wouldn't you use it because it's so innate it's so natural why wouldn't you use it or at least that's the feeling I, I get from it so do you feel like you don't want to be charismatic when you're at Smash sometimes I yeah I feel like I want to have the option to be um, stoic solace Dom and the thing is what's funny is when I play Smash I get into that. I do you get do, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, because sometimes I just shut off. And there's like the, this whole thing goes on with me that it takes like a lot of my focus to, to play Smash and not feel like I'm underperforming or like, you, you just know like the mental game that goes into Smash. Like you just don't, you miss one thing and you just it like kind of snowballs into like missing this and this and this and this and then you're just like okay well am I good <laughs> am I shit yeah and then there's that that too like I've had to really analyze my smash career and and well more of my convictions into smash it and being honest with myself is smash is something I want to compete in or is smash something that like to be honest it fulfills a big nostalgic um like need inside me I guess because a lot of my, like, I've had a community of Smash people since I was, like, 13, 14. Wow. You know? So, like, it's just, it's always been a thing. So it's weird to think of it as not a thing. But now that it's, like, pulled, now that it's, like, pulled away through, like, you know, the splitting of the community and our spotty record of people showing up and stuff like that, I just haven't. I don't know, felt it as much. And so that's why I've been asking myself. It's like, because the thing is, like, I, I watch Smash all the time. So, yeah. All the time. Like, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fantastic viewer, I guess. But, like, and it always makes me want to play it. 
right? Like the moment I start watching it, I'm like, same here. I can do yeah. that. I can do that. I can do I that. I would do this differently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that yeah. it? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, and I then. Think, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're trying to define what its purpose is in your life, you know? Like, yeah. And if you realize that, oh man, it's not serving a purpose, but I've built so many habits around it, then right. I need to learn that so I can stop or I need to just view it as it truly is so I can stop feeling bad about it not being these other things yeah definitely I feel that way a lot too about I, Smash? yeah or? about Smash yeah. it's just like I think I wanted it to be and it was just a competitive outlet for me right and I given that I want other things for my life that are going to take up a lot of time, that's not worth the trade-off anymore. So it's it's kind of time the to anecdotal. Say the anecdotal is every there's a there's a fair amount of professional players who are making that trade-off. Yeah, and like, that's great. I think honestly, it, it's like being honest with yourself. Could you do that trade-off? You know. Yeah, I, I just think at this point it's not what I want to do. Like I don't want to spend eight hours in the game anymore. Yeah, like, I don't want to. And, and don't get me wrong, like, yeah, people do it, and I think it would be healthy to turn Smash into, like, a career type of thing. People talk all the time about how their random desk job is fulfilling, right. and we don't really understand that, let's say, but... And you're kind of training for do. streaming right now. <laughs> yeah, so if you can monetize it, which is super key, and actually make decent money, not just yeah. livable money, I think, but... You need to be like progressive I mean there was like a year and a half where like a fair amount of professional smashers like Axe, Mango Leffen, I mean Leffen couldn't really because this is like their in time where he didn't he was having passport issues um, but they stopped going to major tournaments because it, they would make more money streaming, streaming it yeah. and like getting the people from that and I mean that's awesome but it's also kind of sad even though that's not it's happening now because like there's yeah. so many good tournaments now so it just makes you realize how little money there is in tournaments for Smash right so and yeah that's but really monetize however you can right I mean if yeah. it's tournaments great if not if it's you know streaming if it's doing something else like if, if Smash were big enough there's a million different positions you could do that's sort of involved in that oh, well a lot of the top streamers don't I mean you wouldn't even call them Smash streamers now because they hardly, like, they don't stream Smash as, as much as they stream other stuff. Like, Mango is on, like, CSGO pretty much all the fucking time. <laughs> uh, but not even streamers, but just, like, broadcasting personalities. Oh, like, yeah, League yeah. of Legends. Imagine how many people whose full-time job is League of Legends who aren't players. The I mean, it's, it's Commentators, like one, the whole right? crew. Yeah, that's insane, yeah. How, I mean, esports is now on ESPN, so it's just like a another yeah. career with a lot of like attached careers onto it too. So, so I think you could turn Smash into yeah, it becomes fulfilling because you're making money, um, you're accomplishing something theoretically, right. and it's fun. It's your fun thing also. Um, do you know that I I, I follow like Andrew Yang? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much you follow him, but well, <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, I, I, like I have a, I have a strong feel, I have a strong feeling for him. We'll say, right? okay. Um, 
So, well, well, um, he, uh, he came out with this book that I read and listened to called uh, The War on Normal People. And it just kind of talks about... The War about on Normal People? The War on Normal People, oh, okay. yeah. It, it kind of just talks about how, um, how our system right now is valuing like what what we value in the system like we we only value things with a monetary value to it right, right. um so like uh, i think the example he uses to things that like have value but don't have a monetary like money symbol around them is uh, he uses his wife who is at home raising two kids one of which is autistic right so it's kind of the idea that like she's doing like the work of a special needs person of a mother all that kind of stuff what what is that what, what is our worth what is the worth of that right and um this whole concept comes from a bigger idea of how like you know there's so many jobs going to automation so there's so many people losing jobs and it kind of comes from a um idea of the social rearing of men and how um like research is showing that men men are dropping out of the job market fast like much faster as women are skyrocketing into the job market um it's the case with school too right yeah oh yeah um and on all levels too, like K through 12, like dropout rate for men, difference of women, that kind of thing, right? Um, so it, it comes with the idea, oh, and they also go into like how video games, uh, how, how men have just like pushed hard into video games because it's like that false like serotonin boost of like finishing a quest and like the completion, like completing something. So you talk about like feeling like you're, I can't remember how you said it, but feeling like you're, you're, Fulfilled? Fulfilled, yeah, right? So trying to define, trying to make a bigger definition, a more broad definition of fulfillment outside of just monetary gain, right? So like one of the one of the top three questions that people ask when people first meet each other are, what do you do? Yeah. Right? And that kind of sets the precedent of how, like if you tell them you're a doctor, they treat you with the reverence of a doctor. You tell them you're a, a janitor, they kind of just, they're like, what am I, I don't need to pick your mind for anything or something like that, you know? I mean... I'm not, I'm just saying that that's kind of the broad socialized idea that we had. And it's like our idea of capitalism right now, like where we're rating everything through GDP and GDP was never meant to be a, a, a gauge towards uh, the worth and value of people. Well, they said they didn't want it to be a gauge towards worth and value of people. Yeah. Um, so it just kind of goes into the idea of trying to restructure people's mindsets into what, well, I mean, this is here the existential question. What makes life worth living? Right. So like people find that through their contribution to the world that they're living in, you know, and that like if they're not yeah. at least psychologically, what makes people do well? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, there is a deeper question, but. Right. That gets sticky. Real quick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean. So do you think people. generally don't feel or feel like they'll only be fulfilled if they make a lot of money because i feel like the idea that like yeah you make a lot of money but you're depressed people always talk about i think rich kids who kill themselves and there's too many conventions of our world both socialized and systematic or systemic that um force us to believe that like economic um gain is the true true idea of worth and success in this world right whereas this is where women have it a bit easier 
in the idea that they're um, instilled with a kind of a natural way to find their worth in the world, which is through motherhood, right? And, and caring for caring for a baby. Now, men also have that, but it's like it. I mean, I don't I don't suppose to to try to assume the the feelings of women, but I can I can assume to to think that it's much stronger for women. Than considering that they go through the large hormonal <laughs> shift and carrying the baby and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, the so they're Yeah, there. they're kind of, they, they come into this world with a natural understanding of their worth to an extent. And I'm, of course that's changing within this within our time of more and more people not, like opposing to not, right? exposing to not want kids, right? So, if, so that's great, I guess. <laughs> um, but then, so the other idea of that is that it leaves men kind of like, it's like nature and then nurture. Men have to find their meaning for life through a nurture aspect, right? What does the world tell me my worth is as a man? Yeah. Well, the natural role for men is kind of insemination. obsolete in some sense, right? Well, just <laughs> yeah. like pr protection and oh, like hunting yeah. and like yeah. actual, I don't know, like certain traditional masculine traits are just completely unnecessary and, and that's kind of what it is too the um, I don't want to say I like the way I always want to say this in the right way but like the shedding away of masculinity like I feel like it's peeling away layers that were faux masculinity like so yeah what do you mean when you say um, the idea that that is put into the mind based on the, put into your mind of what it is to be a man based on the culture that, that you're around right but not like I want to say the natural tendencies of man but then I don't want to go too far with that right? I'm comfortable viewing it like that like, um like so, I don't think it's just cultural messaging which attracts men to video games on a mass basis you know you don't think it is no I think it's it's like it's competition like the, it's, yeah it's like the whatever is in our brains that makes us do way dumber stuff, commit yeah. way more crimes. It's like this need to get that, yeah, like the so, serotonin release or whatever. I guess that's what I want to understand. What is the purpose of that as it pertains to our world? Like, what's the... Our modern world? Or our... Well, just what kind of like... So I talked about kind of... We'll just put frame it like this. The root idea of, of femininity uh -huh. on this world. Of, of like bearing a child, right? That you can go with that idea if you want to and find your worth. What would that be for men based on the traits that you that you brought up? You know, that like a natural need to compete and what I what I kind of think of it is is understand your your worth and value and difference to another one. Another person and a difference to others. I see that more with men than I see it with, with women. Oh it's it's relative. Right. And I think you see it with women too as far as uh like yeah. a very typical metric for a woman's worth is beauty, right? And again, I think that's like a, that's the modern socialized. Yeah, like, I think that's the like it. top layer, and the bottom layer is something like she'll be more likely to reproduce. You yeah, know? It's yeah. Like we want to survive and reproduce. Yeah, I guess it does have that really core, like where did the beauty idea idea of beauty come from. 
I'm more reproducible. Yeah. <laughs> or sorry, I'm I'm more. Well, your kids will be healthier. Fertile. Or, yeah, yeah. Fertile. Whatever. It's that funny means. how that idea shifted so much through time. Like it used to be like yeah. like plump women. Like oh, they yeah, got a, got a lot of space <laughs> for that baby in there. Now it's like that really skinny woman. Yeah, she's like. <laughs> yeah, that's Perverted the idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of it's still. What's the hip to waist ratio? Is that like the universal yeah. measurement of? Of beauty of attraction yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think that's still in existence but yeah it used to be skinny women are obviously in the social driver's seat as far as that yeah that thing goes. but as far as time goes they they're still like the new kid on the block because it's it was it was plump women and men were sought at sought after longer than like this is a new trend, to be honest. Of what it, <laughs> like well, last last 70, 70, 80 years kind of trend. Yeah. That's interesting, actually, because you think, like, looking at a person who's really strong and in shape, that signals to your brain like higher uh, higher value as far as survival and reproducing goes, right? Right. But it's the shifting it, of the mindset of history, the time. Yeah, like if you're really fat or at least kind of fat, well off. Yeah, yeah. It means you have a lot of money, resources, and that signals survival. So yeah, well I get okay, I, I I guess I I spoke I spoke too soon because there's a pretty long history of um, your stature being the one identity towards um, protection, security and survival. Yeah. Uh, because or your temperament too. Right. I want to know that. I want to know where that. I mean, I'm sure I could track it down, but I want to know where that shift went. And it's kind of like the idea of classism, where like someone got really well off and they had a lot of minions around them, and now they now they can they show their power through that, right? So like your creation of armies, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Because like I even want to say like you know the the times of like. Roman, Spartan, all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you, you had warriors who were really built, but the top echelon people yeah. weren't built. <laughs> 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 I know. <laughs> so, like, damn, it's nice to be an aristocrat. Shit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it's We kind of have both now. I mean... Yeah. It's not really a signal of wealth to be fat anymore. It's not a signal. It might actually objectively mean you're wealthy because everyone in the United States and in the Western world is fat. It's like you have to have the added props to go to go with it. Like, I think it comes from the idea that this is like so far down, so 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 deep, is that I this person doesn't need the the physical attribute of attraction because they have like the monetary or yeah. the assets or whatever name you know so just yeah resources yeah it's it's interesting what goes what goes into into that man and so uh, I don't know if this is this might be not suitable uh, NSFP (laughs) Um, but I also kind of think about how like our standard of beauty and kind of how beauty ties into sex now. I feel like this is like, I mean, I haven't been around for all other times, but it's seeming like this is the most connection we've had towards beauty and sex 
like I think there used to be clear ideas of like this person's beautiful this person's sexy like natural beauty and sexy oh. but the yeah. what I feel has made that made it more muddled is porn and the ideas of like what a body is supposed to look like I mean if we're talking real advertisements have been doing that for like yeah. long time, long time yeah. but like I think porn accelerated that so much and like that kind of falls into people's ideas of what sex is too so um, do you I guess, I guess I don't understand what you mean to say. Um, I'm you think beauty and sex are not are more intertwined when in the past they were... I'm Yeah, because like... It's like you're having I think you could, sex with people you don't think are beautiful. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> I think you could separate... You could separate natural traits of beauty and sexiness as to... Like you could call someone sexy without calling them beautiful mm. before... I feel like that's what a lot of porn stars like. <laughs> yeah, here we go. I, now, see, now this, now, now, let me let me build this thought a little bit more. Um, I guess kind of the farther idea I was starting to get into was like, I feel like porn is distorting people's view. I mean, porn and then by extension now social media are distorting people's view of, of like um, different forms of beauty outside the physical. And, like, what it's like to be intimate with people. Because intim intimacy levels have changed through our social media outlets and, like, the idea that, that porn gives people for sex, right? It kind of, like, reinstills the, like, subjugative role for women and the domination role for men, you know? Um, and that's something I actually kind of struggle with because I've through like the last five, six years or so, I've done a lot of like soul searching into how, how my actions and how, how, I, how I affect the world because like I've operated off the idea that I'm a good person, but like I've never really made actions to, like I've always just called myself a good person and just done things, right? And not understood <laughs> right. and are my convictions based on something that I wouldn't, that wouldn't pertain to my values, right? So like, it, it's weird because you can you can act one way but think totally different things, you know, like subtle bias and that kind of thing. Um, so one part of that has been like how how I've kind of aided in misogyny, and hmm. um, how have and, you done that? Uh, well, just in different forms, like in relationships, there is like an expectation within me that I didn't realize that I would hold hold against women but but like find different ways to um, to I guess bring it up or to address it like I want to I want to find out like an example but um, you're bringing up what to women so I have an expectation in women to give me as much autonomy as possible but the moment I need them, they better be there. Oh, I but, see. but I that wasn't a that wasn't a like a something I verbalized before, right? It was just something like I noticed myself getting really mad when I couldn't get a hold of them, but I would get mad at them when they would when they would get mad at me for not getting a, not being able to get a hold of me, right? So yeah. it's like 
Um, and then just other things like uh, the way the way I viewed what women were saying, I felt like I I would I could write them off quicker. I could um, I was less I, I felt like I was held less accountable to um, to like having structured conversation with them because the, there wasn't a threatening position to be had like with guys there's 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 always a sense of like this could heighten at any time like and, and not oh I, I mean is this gonna hide well, well no 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 like like if I Right. Out of nowhere, right? You would posture, you would posture up and be like, you know what? I I'm felt gonna... the impulse, right? Yeah. There. Whereas, a, whereas a woman would be like, like, like that. Like, why the hell did you hit me? And we're conditioned to do that, right? So, like, I know that at no time, bitch, fucking slut. <laughs> I, I can say all those things I want, and then like, now also gets it gets me to like the idea of hearing the stories of women, and what my mind, like, what happens in my mind when I'm when I'm hearing it. So like how sympathetic you might be or or not right and so well it's really how fast I go to um, to questioning like the validity of the story because of how um, abnormal it sounds right so like and the way I was able to connect with that was just through my own um, experiences through like explaining my like experience with racism interactions with racism and how it affects my life and stuff like that mm-hmm. and, and telling that to people namely white people and having them just like kind of like try just pick it apart and just kind of say well that doesn't sound like it was that you know but like there's difference there's a difference through perspective right so if you don't have the lens of of, of, of seeing racism happen you don't necessarily know the signs of racism so it's hard to it's hard to point it out and we're all primed to react to things through our through how we understand the world, right? Yeah, and we have we all have bias and prejudice to some extent. Yeah. Um, so, in having that understanding of my own experiences, that's what allowed me to connect more with women and believing their experiences, and namely my girlfriend, because like she has the both the black and the woman experiences. So, like the shit she tells me that people say to her. And I always call this my white side talk, my white side coming out. I always want to be like, what? No way. Come on. No. Yeah. And then I'm like, it must have. And like, <laughs> there's so much of that going on in my mind, but I'm like, no, push that back. Like, understand and empathize and, and move along with it. You know, I think there's too much of an idea of like, people wanting to find the race card in things or like, the one, I guess the woman, the feminist card and things or like people wanting to find find the way the person is using it for victimhood right man it's like the there's a bigger idea that if that person is like bringing it to you then the, they're they're putting a level of trust in you to like not shit on that immediately just because you don't it's not part of your world you know or it is or it is part of your world and you just like you you're like like speaking from like the black to black perspective you want to shame them for even bringing it up because like it's it's a part of your world so like why do you even need to bring it up because we we all know anyways you know and shit like that so it's like i see yeah so let's say you 
understand all these things about yourself, right? Like, hmm, like, in some scenarios, people are going to treat me differently or worse. Right. Or maybe better in a certain scenario, right? Yeah. Um, how do you use that to your advantage? You know, like, hmm. you understand these things about, yeah, people and... Yeah, I... I mean, I definitely do use it to my advantage in the sense that, like, I know how certain parts of myself are perceived by people, like, just by coming into a, like, I want to I try to bring up a scenario. Like, sometimes I know people are, like, being overly nice to me because I'm black, because they want to but the feeling I get is they want to give themselves the feeling that they're that they're putting in the effort, you know. Um, but the effort is more like surface level, like really shallow effort, like, and oftentimes has its own like racist undertones to it. <laughs> well, that's what it is. It's yeah. Kind of racist. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but like the way I kind of see it is a double-edged sword. Uh, I use I use it to my advantage but it ends up being my disadvantage from how much energy it, it takes from me so like that's honestly like the way my extroverted way of being evolved from that from from feeling like I needed to be that and like like just like thrusting myself into that role constantly and then so that was Houston and then coming here and realizing that that role I mean, I don't know how to say this the, the right way, but it's much easier to bullshit here. Let's just say that. Because there's less experience with black people, you think? That, they want to, they like, kind of believe your coolness, but they, <laughs> I call it that because, like, I feel like people look at black people in awe of cool. Like, oh, what they're doing yeah. is, like, the new cool. Black people yeah. are, like, in. In, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... I kind of lost my train of thought. Um, Sorry about it's easier to bullshit here. Oh yeah. Um, well, people are much, much more. Um, I don't know how to, like they have much more defenses up in Houston to like to look for the cell or uh, the right. uh, like how they're trying to manipulate you or something like that, right? Where I found that. To, like pushing myself into that role here allows me to control the situation um, rather than succumb to it and that's why a lot of times I put myself into the situation where I'm like the out there one and stuff because I'm I have, like there's a degree of control in that yeah you know and yeah and so it allows me to make my make the scenario the situation more predictable than if it, if I were just another person within the crowd yeah um, but then it takes my energy. It like just saps my energy away. So the moment I get home, I shell in. Huh. That's. In in a lot of ways, I feel like I've been trying to do the opposite with myself. Like, what do you mean? I've been sort of classified as an introvert by you know authority figures in my life yeah. for my whole life, and those are probably where my tendencies are at based on genetics right. or just early, early experiences in general. And I realized that 
it's a big disadvantage if I want to be successful in certain areas with, I mean, mostly with people, right? That's what everything is, is people. Right. Uh, but going into real estate, which is what my next Venture. thing is, yeah. and then um, just as with relationships with women, I've struggled with that. And I think a lot of it has to do with ideas about myself being shy and so I'm trying to like shed that idea of myself in order to allow myself to be more charismatic I guess because I feel like it's certainly possible and I have it within me yeah but I've sort of been hypnotized into like no like I can't have that consistent view of myself and act in this let's say louder more boisterous way because those conflict so if I can ditch this belief yeah. about myself I can free myself to act in ways that I want to depending on whatever scenario I'm in I see I see what you're saying saying in that um not not that this is where I thought you went with it but I I don't think of anything as a clear contrast of extrovert introvert right I think there's an I think I think we can all operate under the idea that we have both qualities in us and it's kind of like yeah. a balance. But people call of, themselves one or the other. All well, exactly. Time. And I think I think it's become a little bit toxic to get too far into that because yeah. like you said, you you fall into the title. You know, you go into the title. And that's actually my big idea with how like the I love saying double-edged sword is my thing. Um, <laughs> the double-edged sword now of we're learning so much more about mental disabilities and disorders and all that kind of stuff. But with that knowledge comes with people taking taking it on and not finding not necessarily finding the route to get better, but using it as a as a means to say that this is why my actions are the way they are, and right. I don't have any control over that. Yeah, it's. I've been reading this book called Psycho Cybernetics. It's basically by a plastic surgeon who would fix people's faces, right? Yeah. And people who are mostly, like, insecure, right? They're like, people treat me differently because of this, my life sucks because of this, and then he'd fix them, so it's not even noticeable. And people still had all these psychological hang-ups about being treated differently because they're still ugly, even though objectively the problem is gone. Yeah. And so people are self-sabotaging by creating these negative images of themselves and then their actions cannot betray their own self-image yeah and that's true for everyone even if it's uh if it's a positive image if you see yourself as successful and let's say a fast learner then to be consistent with that you're going to perform in a way that's consistent yeah exactly it's like i mean (laughs) i feel like in the 90s this was the secret like manifest destiny type of yeah, type manif- of stuff. Honestly, that's all the stuff I'm kind of like getting into these days. <laughs> the thing is, there's a mentality and mindset are a really large thing, and I'm I'm also getting into it in my own way, right? Like the whole outward inward mindset thing we talked about. Right. Um. And on, onto that, like the whole, yeah, and I've 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 read into that too, where people have gotten plastic surgery, and then like, I think I think the other way I saw it was like they missed their old self because now they like don't recognize the person they see in the mirror, yeah, yeah. you know? That's, and they realized that thing, that it was something that was in their mind. Like a lot of people have, have put into this, that it's something in their mind that states that like, I see myself this way, 
but when I had this the correction done, I saw myself worse, you know, because now I made that correction and I don't even recognize the person in the mirror, you know. Um, that's, that's interesting. I I also wanted to pick up on that. It kind of uh, makes me feel sad that you feel so drained after being charismatic all the time. Because I kind of want to like generate more of that in myself, and right. I don't want to feel like completely drained at the end of the day. Well, one part of it I'm finding is that um, like that balance of like what's my natural charisma and what's the charisma I'm putting out there. You know, that's where that large energy drain comes because that's where like all the self doubt, all the oh, am I getting perceived right? Is this going right? You know, because I'm basing it off of their expectations. So now I'm finding a charisma that allows me to be with people without feeling like I just had my like my soul drain yeah <laughs> you know um, so is it a matter of being in line with your natural charisma or is it a matter of being charismatic in a way that's not based on the other person right I guess yeah. maybe those are the same thing well like I think charisma is actually kind of a big word because yeah. it's like personality plus <laughs> it's a catch all yeah yeah um, so I think just being able to listen to people and react in a, react in a level that you feel, um, like, I don't know how to say this the right way, but it, it required, it, it deserves, ugh, it's hard, it's a hard word to find, um, are you saying like you want to genuine reactions? Or? Genuine oh. reactions and things, right? So, charisma can be sought after, but I don't think it's the same thing as being an extrovert, right? Like, yeah, I, I think you can be an extrovert just by the nature of responding to people too. You know, I think most people think of extrovert as the person who is like leading the crowd, getting everything going. Yeah, the, the out there person, but it's really more of just like being open to 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 connection, as I see it, an extrovert like. At, at really any time if you're that more extroverly driven person so like something that happens to me a lot is people start, start like will just start fucking talking to me at random <laughs> and I say it like that because it's what do you like mean? in what case um all cases so uh <laughs> most recent one I was at I was at Ross and some guy I was in the shoe department and some guy was like starting to starting some random thing about shoes and stuff like that and like and in my head, it's based off of so many different things, right? So I wear a big, happy, smiling face in most places that I go around because I want the perception to be that I'm not that scary black guy. Yeah, so there's part of that. And then um, when I'm wearing fitness clothes, I have muscles going for me, and that just brings people in, attracts people in. Really? Literally just start talking about fitness. It doesn't time. scare people off. Um, no, because it comes also with the, the happy demeanor. Okay. Yeah, uh, but then also being black. It, it brings people in. Um, people of color a lot of the time which is kind of cool to some degrees but mostly white people <laughs> um, and the thing is I used to just kind of write it off as like oh this person's getting their cultural quota in for the day they're they're meeting that like I did I did something good for black people you know um, and the thing is it could still be part of that and I always feel like it is a way part of that but also to be able to connect with them and understand the humanity has been something that well, I've only been practicing for a small amount of time. And like like that guy at the shoe department at Ross, like him and I exchanged numbers because we found out that um, we were both like big climbers 
uh, well, we both came to Boise um, from the south, and the big thing, and we weren't very outdoorsy, and the big thing we found when we got here was climbing. And it was like such a cool connection to have, but I wasn't, I wouldn't have been open for that connection before, right? Because like, I routine my things in my life, so I'm, I'm extrovert at my job, I'm extrovert with my extracurriculars, but then when I'm when I'm doing like errands, I'm in my right. own zone. When I'm at the gym, I'm in my own zone. When I'm at home, I'm in my own zone, you know? So I'm just like kind of shut off to that whole like wanting to, what's the thing I want to say? Uh, indulge, wanting to indulge anybody's need to interact with me. You find that you want to indulge anyways? I don't. Oh. When I'm, so like I said, I'm routine driven and like in certain things I see myself extra, well, Again, trying right. to pull away from this. And certain things I saw myself extroverted um, and would be that way, would be open to connection. But then in other, in other things, like um, like doing errands, like being at Ross. Like typically I'll have like my earbuds in and trying to disconnect from the world and stuff like that. And then someone will, someone will talk to me and I'll just find the quickest way to like quick, like get out of the conversation. And what's crazy about it is like, I'm so hyper aware when I'm, when I'm in those extroverted scenarios of it, am am I am I affecting this person in a positive way? Am I leaving am I leaving them with a good experience? I'm like hyper aware to that. But when I'm introverted, when I'm in my intro, I'm like not giving a shit about how what yeah. what they feel or think. I'm just like, oh, all right, cool, okay, all right, see ya, bye. You know, I'm 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 pleasant, but not yeah, like in a way that furthers conversation. Blunting. Yeah. Conversation. But I found a, I found a way to do that within like my level of well my again my values like how much how much would I want to connect with this person you know and what am I what am I seeing them as right now how am I viewing them right now am I so viewing you, them as you feel obstacle? like you just have certain habits that in some cases are good and some are bad yeah. and you want to decide on a case by case scenario what you want out of the situation. I wanna, I wanna so meld them together. Act yeah. accordingly. And it's helping a lot with my, with my self-esteem and my ability to take embarrassment. <laughs> um, Cause like, <laughs> man, the nature of my being now is I'm just noticeable. <laughs> You're not. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of all I know you as really. I was thinking like, oh man, on my way here, when have I talked to Dom for a longer period than like <laughs> five yeah. to ten minutes? Yeah. Like, uh, we were in the same carpool like a couple years ago. <laughs> and that was, that was also a, a catalyst to this too, because like, I realized in that carpool, um, <laughs> on the one to Utah, that like I felt, yeah, I felt so, I felt so taken back and and wanting to talk to you guys because like. It's like, man, they don't know me as anything but Smash Dom, and now they're gonna learn real Dom, and I don't know if I'm ready for that. Um, it's interesting that you don't feel ready for that. Yeah. Do you feel like sometimes I have this compulsion to like at least tell people what I perceive to be as too much? It's like, what do you mean? Just like my current feelings or interests about something that are like can be kind of personal. And there's people I know who it's like, man, if you're alone with them for too long, it's just they will tell you absolutely everything that you do not want to know and then more. 
just about sex, about whatever. Oh, well, so, yeah, like, yeah. there's something inside of a little bit me and some other people who are like, let it out, like, get people to know. Yeah. And it sounds like you're saying the opposite. It's like, well, oh, I don't want... I mean, there's been a level of that for the longest time. I mean, I would, I would have always called myself a person who's an open book. But there were definitely things I wasn't making an open book, and I was just kind of sure. tricking myself into thinking it. Um, you want to be an open book with like one to two people, and then a marginally open book with <laughs> most I, other people. I, yeah, I just based it off my comfort level, I guess. I'm, to be honest, I guess in tandem with me trying to find more of my security within myself is having the comfort to actually be able to open up to anybody about anything. Now, there's people that I don't believe have the like strongest mental quality to take certain levels of opening up, and I'll gauge that based off of like how we interact and stuff yeah. like that, how fluid it comes. Um, but I'm getting more and more comfortable with being able, not being that person, because I do understand there's bound, like, I'm not gonna just start going into the explicit sex details. I mean, both both in the respect of the, the person that I'm having sex with and in the respect of the person I'm talking to at whatever level they like to talk at, you know, and stuff like that. So, and then also, like, stuff like, well, actually, this one's been kind of weird, the, like, the whole political things, right? And now, like, like, I'm much more comfortable bringing up things about my culture because I want to be unapologetic, apologetically advocating for, for change within these things. And part of that is not faltering in a... Um, at an opportunity to educate someone and have a conversation, but then also understanding if that person's at a, at a level in which they can like have this conversation, right. you know. Um, but then also knowing that like our relationship, our connection level, it doesn't have to include that stuff if it's not based around that, you know. So like, like I have buddies that I. I pretty much only kickbox with. I mean, we hate, we'll hang out outside of here, but like, we really just like to take it easy with each other. We always talk about it like that. And you know, some of that stuff does come up, but we know to never get like too deep into it and just kind of like, oh, the bullshit of our world. Oh, yeah, same day, yeah. same day, different bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, there's that like unspoken boundary. Like, let's not do this. This is not what. Yeah. But then also for. having the, like, It's hard to find support in this world. Uh, well, you can't always find support in the same places in this world. So like, people look for it in weird places and I think people have to also be open for that. Like, the parameters of your relationship change because this person needs it, you know? So, I've been open to more of that, but again, that's a really hard thing for me because I really do like to set parameters with like, my relationships yeah. and stuff. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I kind of view it as the same. It's, it's like, these people, I do this with, and yeah. I can fulfill all my needs or wants right. with different avenues. Yeah. And mostly, very, mostly that's fine. I think. Well, I think that's a strong mentality to take into a relationship. Yeah. I think too often people, like, when they, they look at their significant other as a person who, like, they can take it, they can take all of what they're giving to them, you yeah. know? But, like, you gotta understand that they're a human who are equipped with their own experiences. They can only do it to the level. I mean, and you don't want them to give you something that they don't have, too. That's kind of the idea, you know. <laughs> it's like you can't love someone in a way that you don't love yourself. I think it's the, the people have said it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. 
How much time do you have? Thanks for listening to episode 12 of Inside Kevin C. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I wanted to do kind of a post-podcast shout-out to Dom um, for being an avid supporter of the podcast and uh, also being an official guest on the podcast now. So shout-outs to you, Dom. Thanks for listening. And uh, that is it for today. I hope you guys uh, have a good one. Take care.